You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Teeth of tiger, collarbone of chicken, ear bone of reptile, and weird little membrane thing that like goes from the cheek to the ankle. This is not a witch's concoction, friend. This is the recipe for Jurassic Squirrels. Hello, friend, and welcome back to For the Love of History. I am TK, but you know that we are here with episode 20. What? DJ Khaled music all over the place. I'm so excited. We've made it to 20 episodes. Thank you guys so much for coming on this journey with me, but I won't get too uh, mushy-gushy right now. I'll save that till the end. So we started this podcast with an animal, the turkey god of 300 BC, and I thought we would mark the 20th episode with another animal theme. Granite, a couple uh, million bajillion years older. So today we are going to talk about the Ice Age Squirrel. You know, that little nut crazy guy from the movie Ice Age? He was in fact real. So grab an assortment of nuts, a nice mixed nut, or whatever. If you have a nut allergy, don't don't do that. I prefer if you're alive. Thank you. But anyways, let's get into it. dear friend, I have a confession to make. We are not actually going to talk about squirrels today, but wait, wait, okay, they look like squirrels, and people call them squirrels, air quotes, but what we know as squirrels today wouldn't pop up on the evolutionary tree until about 150 million years after our little Jurassic squirrel imposter dude. They don't even belong to the same evolutionary tree. They're not even cousins. They laid eggs. It's a whole thing. We're going to talk about it. So even though we're not going to actually be talking about real squirrels, I promise these little dudes are really cute and super interesting. We are going way, way back in history. Before anything was written down, before history was really a thing, and paleontology rules. Paleontology is really weird, but really cool. And it's also crazy hard. You know the old saying of finding a needle in a haystack? Paleontology is like finding one specific piece of hay in a stack, and by the way, you don't know where the haystack is, and also the haystack is underground, and a farming family has lived over the place that the haystack may be for like hundreds of years. So uh, good luck. (laughs) That's paleontology finding fossils and rocks and stuff. But somehow, some way, these super genius people have been finding these pieces of hay since 1819 when British fossil hunter William Buckland found some fossils and then he named them fossils in 1824. But TK, if we've known about fossils since 1824, why haven't I heard about the saber-toothed squirrel fossil? Hmm? Well... That is because those early paleontologists were all about 
size. When you think of fossils, I'm sure you think of a big giant T-Rex or a Brontosaurus or a Gorillosaurus or Allosaurus or a Chungkingosaurus. That last one is real, I promise you. So notice how squirrels were not on that list of famous dinosaurs. All of them have really big bones. And little tiny mammals also roamed about during the Jurassic period, but those Indiana Jones bones finding people weren't looking for those pesky little fossils. You were way more likely to get funding for a dig if you brought the person funding the dig this huge giant bone to show them, look at what we found, rather than bringing them this tiny tooth or this little jaw or a skull. There's just really no comparing the two. Paleontologists wanted to piece together these huge honking bones because they had never seen anything like that before. And side note, um, speaking of piecing dinosaurs together, when I was a kid, I had this PC game where you could like piece the dinosaurs together, take little bronchiosaurus, take little T-Rex, take little stegosaurus, whatever, mix them together. And you can choose the skin and if it had feathers and you could name it, you could make a rainbow dinosaur. It was the coolest game ever. Anyways, <laughs> so I can understand the hype for wanting to put together these big, huge dinosaurs. But let us get back to the topic at hand. In 1824, at the Geological Society of London, our dude, William Buckland, presented bones from one of the first known dinosaurs called Megalosaurus. At the time, he also revealed tiny little mammalian jaws that had been found in the same fossil deposit. Their presence suggested that mammals had a super deep history, longer than previously thought. But like I said, the big giant dinosaur bones would overshadow those mammal fossils, which would keep happening over and over again. In addition to being less overtly cool, mammal fossils are super hard to find. One paleontologist from the University of Chicago said, finding mammal fossils is basically you on your hands and knees with your face in the dirt for hours on end. Very glamorous. So our knowledge of Jurassic mammals was less than awesome for almost 200 years. Remember the whole looking for a piece of hay in a haystack analogy that I said earlier? Multiply that by like three, and that's what it's like to look for Jurassic mammal fossils. But fear not, my friend. In 1997, researchers found the first ancient mammal from the fossil-rich rocks of Liaoning in northeastern China. And you guessed it, it was a little squirrel-looking thing, but not really a squirrel at all. I'll put pictures up on the Instagram so you can see what this little dude looked like. So this was a great find. Paleontologists started to fill in the gaps of our knowledge about Jurassic mammals. And this was all fine and dandy, but... It was going very, very slowly. Paleontologists were only finding little teeth and jaw fossils and things like that. Really nothing that could give us a clear picture of our little squirrel friends. 
that was until the year 2000 when Timothy Rowe at the University of Texas at Austin and his crew came upon the scattered bones along the rocks of the Cayanta Formation in northern Arizona. And let me tell you, this was a huge find. It was a mama squirrel imposter with her 38 egg babies. You heard me right. I said eggs. This little lady was smack dab in the middle of reptile and mammal evolution, giving paleontologists a freaking heart attack and also pushing back the evolutionary timeline for mammals. Super freaking cool. And I am going to do my best to pronounce the name of this little squirrel imposter. (sighs) Okay. Cayentatherium. Ooh, okay. That's the name of this amazing little creature and her 38 little babies. But the discoveries didn't stop there. We have made it to the saber-toothed squirrel. Woohoo! You did it! Yay! <laughs> now, I'm not sure who gave this little creature the nickname of saber-toothed squirrel, but when I tell you it's accurate, it's really, really accurate. I'm sure I don't even have to show you a picture of it. You already know what it looks like. But don't worry, I'll, I'll put it up on the Instagram. So in the scientific community, the saber-toothed squirrel is not actually called the saber-toothed squirrel. That's just for the reporters and journalists. What the paleontologists call this saber-toothed squirrel is Chronopio dentiacutus. That's a mouthful. Cronopio denticutus. There we go. I did it. So we are just going to call him Cronopio. <laughs> sounds a little bit like Pinocchio. So Cronopio, just like his kind of relative, Cayentotherium, he rocked the paleontology world. Previously, scientists had thought that Jurassic mammals were just tiny little babies who scurried away and lived at the mercy of those big-ass dinosaurs that were all over the place. But in fact, paleontologists found out that this wasn't true due to these fossils. Yes, the little Cronopio did scurry about because who wants to get trampled by a stegosaurus? Not me, no thank you. But through examination of their fossils, they found out that Cronopio had highly specialized jaws and teeth for eating, and their hands indicated that they didn't live in the trees but on the ground with the big boys. And we better be glad that they did, because although they are an extinct mammalian group, they belong to the lineage that leads to modern marsupials and placentals. Uh, TK, WTF is a placental. What is that? Fear not. I will explain. So, a marsupial is anything that makes a baby in a pouch, like a kangaroo. And a placental is you, my dear friend. You were born of an egg and a sperm, and you had a placenta around you for about nine to ten months. Unless you are an alien. In that case, welcome. I'm so honored that you would listen to my podcast. But aliens aside, you 
are a placental. And anything that is born from an egg and a sperm that develops in an embryonic sac, the placenta is called a placental. There is one more little imposter squirrel discovery that I'd like to tell you about. It's the gliding Jurassic squirrel. This little fuzzball is super cool. In 2017, just a few short years ago in China, two little fossils of what looked like flying squirrels were uncovered. The first being Myopatigium, and the second Furculiferum. For, for Culiferum. <laughs> so, those were their names, and gliding through Jurassic trees was their game. These little dudes seem to be really similar to the flying squirrels that we have now. But, upon further inspection, paleontologists found a regular smorgasbord of weird bones and things. They had teeth like a fruit bat, the collarbones of chickens, and they roosted and hung in trees when they slept, but also could jump. They were completely unrelated to today's four groups of gliding mammals, flying squirrels in North America and Asia, Africa's scaly-tailed gliders, Australia's marsupial sugar gliders, and Southeast Asia's colagos. They were completely different, but on the outside, they looked so similar. All of these fossils have revealed that early mammals were ecologically diverse and experimenting with gliding and swimming and burrowing and climbing. And discoveries are also starting to reveal the evolutionary origins of many of the traits that make mammals mammals today. Things such as lactation, breastfeeding, large brains, and super keen senses. Those all had to come from somewhere, and it seems to be that they started with our squirrel imposter friends. I'm so sorry. I'm really excited about this. As University of Chicago paleontologist Zeke C. Lowe said, these fossils underscore that early mammals were not merely cowering at the feet of dinosaurs, but boasted a range of body plans and lifestyles. But TK, why should I care about these fake squirrels? Well, friend, you are a mammal. And without those tiny, flying, burrowing, saber-toothed little dudes, the you today wouldn't be you. We've come to the end, my friend. It has been a whirlwind. I have loved this episode, and I hope you have enjoyed it. And because I know you came for the weird little squirrel dude in the Ice Age movie, but you stayed because you love me and I'm a great storyteller, wink, wink, I've decided to end with a final thought about Scrat, the movie Sabretooth Squirrel. So, according to Blue Sky Animation, the people who created Ice Age the movie, we were actually never meant to see Scrat. He was simply a bit character that was in the opening credits, and that's it. But the test audiences freaking 
loved him. They couldn't stop talking about him, and they were disappointed when he wasn't in the rest of the test film. So, the animators put him in more and gave him his own adorable little sub-story with his crazy little acorn. There are about five different origin stories for Scrat. No one cared about who made him before he became a huge hit. But after the release of the movie, a ton of people came forward to claim that sweet, sweet fame. So we will probably never know who the genius behind Scrat, the saber-toothed squirrel, is. Well, that's all I have for you today, friend. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Just another little reminder, there is one more week left to enter the For the Love of History giveaway. All the information can be found on the Instagram. It's not sponsored or anything. It's just me saying thank you with some delicious Japanese goodies and some stationery. I just want to say thank you all so much for listening. I truly, truly appreciate it. There's a lot of history podcasts out there, and the fact that you choose mine really just gives me the warm and fuzzies. So thank you, and I will end with that. I hope you have a fabulous day and you get a chance to watch your favorite show or your favorite movie or hug a squirrel or whatever. You're wonderful. I'll talk to you next week when we take a look at the woman behind the first ever university. Why is there a metronome right now? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs>